sermon two. <laughs> sermon two. As you guys know, uh, man, in June of 2021, uh, our family experienced a major medical emergency. We were actually on, we were out three weeks into our sabbatical and get this phone call and Sarah, Gretchen's sister, has this major medical emergency with her heart and her, and her lungs and then her brain and I mean, it was just awful. So the reason I'm sharing this with you is in the middle of our sabbatical, we ended up having to come home for a major medical emergency. Now, I don't know about you, but when we got through some of that major medical emergency, we ended up coming back to the church to lead the church and do those things. And, 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 and if you ever asked me this, I'd tell you. But if someone ever asked me, asked me this and said, hey, pastor, did you enjoy your sabbatical? I'm not saying you asked it. I'm just saying if somebody ever asked me, that, I'd be like, eh. <laughs> I wouldn't say that was true. And matter of fact, I wouldn't say that we got a lot of rest. And quite frankly, we, we've, we've worked on the back end of that to reestablish our family, lead our church through some challenging times as we deal with all kinds of dynamics. And um, we do what a lot of people do. We buckled down. And we did what needed to be done. The thing that I've learned is if you live your life buckling down, eventually you'll buckle. And the thing that I want to do as a pastor, I want to lead as a pastor, is that we create an environment where that's not okay. That it's not okay for the pastor just to buckle down. It's not okay for you just to buckle down. Because sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you need a break. And so, so we've been leading this church for the last, I mean, in February will be 11 years. Isn't that cool? 11 years. Woo. 11 years. And um, I remember that first worship service at Rockwood Summit High School, you know, where we launched the church. And I think we had like 217 people show up. Can you believe that? My God has just done an amazing thing in establishing this church. We had 15 people in our house that day when we, when we had our first launch team meeting. You know, convinced 15 people to come. And they stayed. And you know, the thing is that over the years, man, we have, we've seen amazing things. Even, even with the pandemic and what it did to a lot of churches. I mean, most churches lost half their population in the middle of the pandemic. And what I love is last week our church had a, a, a little over 240 people show up. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's amazing. Because before, I mean, we were not there. I can tell you that. <laughs> there were weeks I was like, is there anybody out there? You know, but man, what an amazing, I believe we're going to be at 300 before the end of the year. I just do. I think we're, I'm going to believe that. But here's the other thing. Like we, we started with like a zero budget. You know, we had a little budget and little of this, little of that. But this past year, we brought in, in total, we brought in $700,000 as a church. Come on. I mean, think about that. We've went from this to this. I'm believing for a million. Come on, in Jesus' name. Let's get to the million mark so that we can keep doing what God has called us to do. See, the reason I'm sharing this with you is this. 
very simply, I truly believe our best days are ahead of us. Come on, do you? I do, I do. But I also need to tell you something that's real. That's real. What I just told you was real. But I also need to tell you something else that's real. Both Gretchen and I are tired. Just being honest, we're tired. And because of that, our leadership and also our overseers see fit to say, hey, let's redeem that sabbatical. So we won't, we're not going to do all of it, but we are going to be gone uh, from January 23rd through March 4th. And so we're going to take some time, Gretchen and I are going to take some time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just kind of unplugging a little bit. I need to get with Jesus. You know, we need to get with Jesus. And then ultimately, you know, we're going to come back ready, excited to do what God's going to do. and, 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 And it's going to be good. And so we're going to spend some time resting and renewing and extending this Sabbath because it's biblical. Did you know God rested? He did. He created the world. And on the seventh day, the Bible says that he rested. That's pretty. I mean, if you're looking for a model, God rested. And you know why God rested? Not because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He rested to show us what we need to do. He rested to give us a rhythm of life that we need to follow. Did you know that Jesus grew weary? Like the Bible says that. Like he was on a journey. He was out there doing his thing. And there's a point where he's like, it literally says that Jesus grew weary. And he sat down by this, this uh, what is that thing you draw water from? Well. It's like the SATs right now. He sat down by the well and the Bible says that he was weary. In other words, it meant that he was worn out, depleted, and exhausted. It's the kingdom of God. I mean, this is Jesus. And I'm just telling you, if Jesus gets weary, and I'm definitely not Jesus, sometimes we got to take a break. And then finally, and I'll let Pastor Josh speak a little bit more about some of this, but did you know that God calls us also to Sabbath rest in our lives? He calls all of us to that kind of rhythm. And so the Bible is very clear about these things. Did you know you need to weekly Sabbath? Because if you don't weekly Sabbath, you'll get out of rhythm. And then the Bible talks about Jubilee. Jubilee, seven years, Sabbath rest. Well, we're at 11. Matter of fact, 12, because we started before. And so it's time. So I want to invite Pastor Josh Earls to come and speak a little bit. He is one of our overseers and a dear friend of mine. And so I'd love for him to kind of share his thoughts as well. (laughs) Well, it is a uh, awesome pleasure to always be at Elevation. I always say this every time I come, but the first time I ever spoke at Elevation, y'all were in uh, Ronnie's theater before Marcus got it and uh, made it all pretty. But uh, you guys were in the theater and they had the lounges. Anybody remember those lounges? Those are wonderful, except for when it's a church, you all fall asleep during the preaching. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here today. And, and uh, I just want to take an opportunity to speak to you uh, just about about rest and about uh, sabbatical. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife, Lauren, and I, we uh, pastor a faith community.
Community Church, which is in House Springs, uh, not too far down Highway 30. And uh, we've been uh, in that position for uh, eight and a half years as pastor, been on staff for almost 10. And we have a, a sabbatical coming up uh, in April, right after uh, Easter, our first one as well. So uh, I don't quite know what it feels like to go on sabbatical, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, and uh, and one of the opportunity to speak to you all today about that. And I just wanted to say this about um, Daniel, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Gretchen, about how uh, amazing people they are. And uh, people uh, that have been a blessing in my own life. Pastor Daniel and I have been getting together every Friday for, I don't know, uh, probably six or seven years now. And just to have coffee and breakfast and, and just talk. Sometimes we spend an hour, sometimes three hours just chatting. And uh, he's become a dear friend. And uh, I want to say this to you because I think anytime you, you uh, hear from your pastor that or leader, hey, I'm tired, and I'm going to take a break, and the, and the board, advisory team, whatever you're used to, or the overseers saw fit, uh, your minds can go in, in, in plenty of directions, and you can think, oh, man, there must be something wrong, that someone needs to take a break, and I just want to say this to you expressly, there's nothing wrong, uh, there's nothing punitive, uh, there's no problem uh, that needs to be fixed, it's simply just tiredness, and weariness and uh, to be able to take a break and pause and say hey I want to get healthy I want to be rested uh, I want to have strength and energy physically spiritually mentally all the lees uh, that I need strength on to be able to run the race now my grandfather was a pastor incredible man he pastored for 30 plus years and uh, very rarely took a vacation very rarely took a day off to get to get kind of just put this into perspective for you my grandpa grew up in um, Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and he farmed 40 acres with a mule and because his father died early and he dropped out of school in the eighth grade and he had a farm and that's all he knew was to work. And uh, he had a massive heart attack and ended up having to have, I think, a quadruple bypass. But here's the reason he figured it out. He went to the hospital to do a hospital visit for people in his church. And while he was there, he goes, Man, my, my, my chest is tight. And uh, one of the nurses happened to hear him. They said, why don't we check you out? And come to find out the next day he had a quadruple bypass because he was in cardiac arrest and the only reason he was at the hospital is because someone in his church was sick and uh, he was an incredible man but I don't think he knew how to rest he ended up dying at 74 years old with uh, heart failure and kidney disease and I'm not saying that he would have had heart failure or kidney disease I'm just saying he might have had some years left in the tank if he would have rested if he would have sabbathed taken the opportunity so I want you to understand this as we as uh, we walk out of here today in the next few moments that Sabbath is not just for a pastor. That rest is not just for someone who's in leadership, but it's for each and every one of us. Pastor Daniel mentioned this. He said that on the seventh day that God rested, and he did. But the seventh day was the first day of existence for humankind. And what did God have for the first day of existence for humankind was not work, but rest. Rest. You would think if God were an American, right, and he had a, a, a what do they ever call that kind of work ethic that we have, that he would have put him to work. I made you, now work. He said, I made you, now rest. Because we work from rest, not the other way around. Rest is so important. We don't really have a category for that in our culture about resting and Sabbath. But I think about this, and, and I'll get into into some just some things here briefly. But you think about uh, the frenetic pace of our society and how we're we're twenty four seven. You can get anything you want whenever you want it. And now, if you got to wait longer than two days to get a package delivered, it's annoying. And now that we have a massive Amazon warehouse just down the street from here, you can get it the same day. 
I don't, I don't want to wait two days for anything. I want it now. And we have everything, and you can maximize profit, and you can maximize efficiency, and you can do more, da 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 all these things. And I just think about this example of a company. I know everybody loves Chick-fil-A, right? It's God's, God's chicken, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but the amazing thing about Chick-fil-A is obviously they're not open when? The day that you want to go to Chick-fil-A, they're not open. They, they've made a decision that when you look at uh, all business practices, and if you would project out the revenue that you think you could make, to be closed on a Sunday makes, does not make financial or business sense. Why would you be closed on Sunday? Well, they've got a commitment that it's a day of rest. Now, Chick-fil-A makes more money per store in six days than any other fast food chain in the country. In six days, they make more money than companies that are open seven days. Now, my opinion on this is, is that that's a blessing because it's a principle that God has put into practice. And maybe just maybe their managers get, they know they got a day off every week. And I worked in, in fast food and in food, and it is stressful. It is not fun, and you're overworked and underpaid. They've got to work off, a day off. Their employees have a day off. But I think God blesses it when we rest, that we can get more done with less if we rest. And so I just wanted to take you just to a passage of Scripture that's very familiar because I kind of thought about this. What are you going to do during Sabbath? Pastor Daniel and Pastor Gretchen aren't going to be here, but what do you do while they're resting? And I just would say it like this. I want you to rest too. Hopefully you'll keep coming, right? You're not going to take a you know, six-week break from church because Pastor Daniel's not going to be here. That you'll be here too and you'll continue to serve and, and to do all of those things. Because you need to rest. In my research for sabbatical, because in our context, the church that I'm in, uh, we don't really have a category for Sabbath or sabbaticals. A lot of churches uh, have policies written in for their pastors, and it's ensured that they take them and all that kind of stuff. But in our context, we didn't. The previous guy that pastored uh, our church that I took over for, a wonderful man, pastored there for 32 years. In 32 years, he took one sabbatical. One. And I was just like, you know, I'm feeling kind of tired, so I'm going to say something. I, I, I've been there eight years, and I don't, I don't know if I've got 20, you know, however many, 24, until I can, I, can I can take a sabbatical. So I started researching it, and I came across some, you know, information. And here's one thing that uh, one particular writer was saying about sabbatical. What does it mean for the pastor, and what does it mean for the church? Number one, here's what a sabbatical means for the pastor. That he or she or the couple, they are not the head of the church. They mean the pastor, they're the shepherd of this environment, but Jesus is the head of the church. It's a reminder that the pastor is important. Right? You need a good pastor. You need a good, you need a good pastor's couple and wife and all these kinds of things, but ultimately the head of this church is Jesus. And it's a reminder that to the pastor and his wife or that I am not that important. This is his church, not mine. So what does it do for you? It reminds you that Daniel and Gretchen are not your ultimate shepherd, are not your connection point to God. They are the shepherd of this house, but he is your shepherd. And that you worship God. You come to Elevation Church, but you are part of the family and the flock of God, and Jesus is your true shepherd. So this whole thing, Daniel's talking about all this stuff about having faith. You're probably thinking, we're getting three messages today, and how are all of these connecting? Because Sabbath requires faith. It requires faith that God can do more 
when we give, when we obey him, and with what seems like less time and less resources, if we'll be obedient, he could do more, and that takes faith because faith produces obedience. So here's what I want you to do while Pastor Daniel and Gretchen are off on Sabbath. I want you to rest, and I want you to live in Psalm 23. I just want to share with you the first three verses. I'm fairly certain anyone watching online and most of you in here today are familiar with Psalm 23. Perhaps the most famous passage in the entire Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He where am I at? restores my soul and he leads me the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we can keep going, even though, right? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel evil. Okay, so the, those three verses is where I want you to live for the next six weeks. And that the statement that can govern this whole sabbatical for your church is that the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. Not that Daniel or Gretchen is my shepherd. Not that Elevation Church is my shepherd. But the Lord is my shepherd. Yes. That's the, the, the point of sabbatical is that he is my provision. He is my source. He knows everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, this is David writing this psalm and probably writing from a place, and some say that he was young. A lot of commentators say that David was old and reflecting. And David had a lot to reflect on about God and his journey. That he's writing in reflection of all that God had done and all of his experience and who he had known God to be. That at the end of the day, the Lord is my shepherd. God, the creator of the universe, all of the omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful. He is my shepherd. That statement of faith right there, an acknowledgement that he is my shepherd. I am not my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Now, the interesting, here's when you look at a shepherd, what, what, is, what does that mean for? What does a shepherd do? We don't live in a, an agrarian society. Most of us don't have animals, and if you do, that's awesome. Most of us are not shepherds. I have never even met a true shepherd. Like, I've never gone to a place where there's a, a guy or woman that has a flock of sheep, and they live with the animals. I've never met a true shepherd. I've only seen it on YouTube. be honest with you. I've only seen it on YouTube. When you think about a shepherd, what do they do? They care for, they watch over, and they preserve. It is active, it is present, it is intimate. A shepherd lives with his sheep and is out there with them wherever they are, regardless of the elements, because the sheep cannot get to where they need to go without their shepherd. The shepherd is responsible for the care and the provision and the livelihood and the protection of his or her sheep. And the Lord is a shepherd. Think about that imagery of God being a shepherd. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he is eternal. Yes, he is preexistent. There is no beginning and there is no end. And there's never been a moment where he wasn't. And there'll never be a moment where he isn't. But he chooses to identify himself as a shepherd. All throughout the scriptures. Genesis chapter 49, shepherd. 
It says this in John. Listen to Jesus talking in John 10. I'm going to read a few verses. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also take it up again, for this is what my father has commanded. I am the good shepherd. If you go to First Peter, you'll see him referred to as twice the good shepherd. If you go to Hebrews chapter 13, you'll find it for him referred to as the good shepherd. And it's always with a capital S in reference. He is the good shepherd. He is God. Now, how lowly does a shepherd seem? I know he's king and all of that, but he chooses to identify as a shepherd. And all throughout scripture, he calls shepherds to lead. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses, yes, he grew up in the palace, but he took him out in the wilderness and became a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus was a shepherd. When the angels appeared, when Jesus was born, who did he appear? Who did the angels appear to? Shepherds. He's our shepherd, and he cares for us, and it's intimate. And he wants to ensure this. He says, "I lack nothing." I shall not want means I shall lack no good thing. It doesn't mean you get whatever you want, like like Daniel said. It doesn't mean that all of your wishes and things that you think you need, you will have. But you will have everything you need. You will lack no beneficial, supportive, whatever thing that you need because he's your good shepherd. David is speaking from experience. I choose to believe he wrote this as an older man. He's my shepherd, and I lack nothing. Now read the history of of David and what he went through, and it seems like he lost an awful lot, but he can say at the end of his life, he's my shepherd, and I lack nothing. Every single one of our needs are supplied. As Paul wrote, every single need that I have, you supply according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So the question that you can have for yourself over the next few weeks is, who is your shepherd? What is your shepherd? What is leading you? What do you think is providing for you? Your job is not your shepherd. The government is not your shepherd. Whatever source of news you get is not your shepherd, but it can easily become your shepherd because all of your energy and time and emotions are put into a direction that you're following. That's your shepherd, but he is your shepherd. Now, now here's the, the, the cool thing. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says. He's kind of offensive. He says, before a man, listen to this, can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, let's say before an individual, he must first feel himself to be sheep by, a sheep by nature. For he cannot know that God is his shepherd unless he feels in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. Here's the kind of offensive part. He must relate to a sheep in its foolishness, its dependency, and in the warped nature of its will. It's not fun saying you're a sheep. Because sheep are not the most intelligent animals on the earth. 
they will eat grass and then continue to eat the roots and continue to eat down into the dirt because they don't have the wherewithal to orient themselves to get to what they need. That's why there's a shepherd. And the shepherd leads us to new places, to new heights, new provision. He's our shepherd. Now, I think that what we're going to read next, verse 2, is what happens when you stop thinking and realizing that the Lord is your shepherd. It's this interesting word. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say I lie willingly down in green pastures. Without prompting or need, I just lay down in the field. But the shepherd makes me, causes me to lie down in green pastures. Who? The shepherd. When we want to run, when we want to push forward, when we want to keep going like Daniel said, we want to buckle down. The shepherd has the wherewithal to see that if you buckle down, I love how he said it, you may buckle. So I'm going to make you lie down and rest. The shepherd, I'm going to make you rest. Make you and I'm going to lead you beside still waters. There's a guy named Philip Keller, and he writes this about sheep. It's really fascinating. He said, Sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. The shepherd deals with not only the external forces that are coming against us, but he deals with the internal things as well. We can get so focused on all the external things. The external pressures, the, 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 the timelines, the things we need to get done. But often those things are not nearly as big in our lives as the internal things. And we can stuff the internal stuff down because we're accomplishing the external And the shepherd is, I think, far more concerned with your heart and your soul and you're tired and weary. And he's, I'm going to make you lay down. You don't want to lay down? I'm going to make you lay down because I know what you need and I love you. And I love you. And then it says, besides still waters, he leads to give rest, to lead with care, to refresh. Green pastures and still waters, what they speak of care, comfort, and rest. Have you ever been out into uh, uh, rolling hills in just an open valley and has a, has a still waters that run by it? Not like a raging river that's loud, but just the still, calm waters. It's just beautiful and peaceful and restful. And that's where he leads us to. And I just want to make this point. You cannot be led if you will not follow. Right? You cannot be led if you will not follow. And you can only follow if you're looking for the shepherd and if you know his voice. Still waters. I've got just another quote. It's my last quote. And this is again Charles Spurgeon. He said, Still waters run deep. Nothing more noisy than an empty drum. That silence is golden indeed in which the Holy Spirit meets with the souls of his saints. Not to raging waves of strife, but to peaceful streams of holy love does the Spirit of God conduct the chosen sheep. He is a dove, not an eagle. The dew, not the hurricane. Our Lord leads us beside still waters. We could not get there of ourselves. We need His guidance. Therefore, it is said, He leadeth me. He does not drive us, 
Moses drives us by the law, but Jesus leads us by his example and the gentle drawing of his love. He's the dove, not the eagle. He's the do, not the hurricane. Makes me think of Elijah. Elijah is an Old Testament prophet that was responsible for some pretty, you know, amazing things under his ministry. I say responsible. He got to see them. God was responsible. He fought the prophets of Baal. He watched God come down with fire and consume them. And he ran ahead of a chariot and saw rain come. There hadn't been rain in so many years. He does all these things for the Lord. And then Ahab goes and tells Jezebel, who's the queen, about what Elijah's doing. And she's like, I'm gonna, she sends word to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah says, I'm out. Runs to the wilderness, says, God, you can take me now, kill me. I mean, he just saw some profound things, but he's tired. He's tired. And he falls asleep. And he wakes up, and there's an angel. When the angel he sees the angel, the angel says, Eat. You got a journey. So he eats, and he falls asleep. And he wakes up again. Angel says, Eat. He eats, and he sleeps. And then the angel says, All right, we're going to Mount Sinai. And he goes up on this mountain, right? And the Lord asks him a question. It's the same mountain where Moses was when he gave the law. The same mountain where Moses was when he said, I want to see your glory. And the Lord passes in front of him. The Lord says, Elijah, why are you here? Well, because I'm, I'm all alone, God. All these people are against me, and I'm the only one that's doing your work for you. When you get weary and tired, your perspective starts to wane and you can't see what God can see because you're your own shepherd and then there's this rushing wind and there's an earthquake and there's this fire stuff all these loud things going on around him God Elijah why are you here well because God I'm alone and then it says there's a still small voice still small voice no wind no hurricane no earthquake, no bombastic rumbling, nothing like what he saw on the other mountain when God came down with fire. Still small voice. And it's translated from the Greek translation of the Old Testament into this, a vibrant silence. Just the shh. And God was in the silence. God was in the silence. So many times we're looking for the huge, that thing that's just going to make us, you know, emotionally want to lift off. And it's God, he's in the silence. Just like Spurgeon said, he's not a dove. He's not an eagle. He's a, he's a dove. He's not a hurricane. He's the dew in the morning. And if you can't slow down and pause long enough to hear God in the silence, he's speaking. Our culture is breakneck pace. And I heard Pastor Jimmy Evans say this. He said, if the devil can't slow you down, he will get behind you and push you as fast as you can go. You'll run, 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 run. And the harder you run, the faster you run, the longer you run. I can almost guarantee you the worst decisions that you'll make because you'll be feeding your anxiety or trying to alleviate whatever's going on inside when you just need to rest and do nothing. Now, I'm not talking seven days a week. I'm not advocating sit on a beanbag chair and eat Cheetos for the rest of your life and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Going back to a rhythm that Daniel said, where you rest. Because out of rest comes work. Well, Elijah, after he rested, the Lord said, 
I got some things for you to do. You're going to go anoint Elisha. You're going to go do this and boom, boom. But I need you to rest. And in your rest, I need you to know, hey, you're not alone. I got 7,000 people you don't know about. I got a plan, Elijah. But you can't hear if you won't rest. If you won't be led to the still waters and the green pastures and allow God to lay you down. Whatever that means, however that looks, for you to rest. And why does he do all this? Is the question. Why? He restores my soul. Refresh, repair, bring back. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Yeah, for you. But he, when he says he leads me in the paths of righteousness, he's talking about salvation. When he restores your soul, that's about salvation. He saves you for his name's sake because it's who he is. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are burdened or weary and heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest for your souls. Come and learn of me, he says. Why is that? I think what he's doing is he's redeeming what happened in the garden when God said the first day of your existence will be rest, and then they sinned got kicked out of the garden, entered into a society now broken, frenetic, busy, no rest. Jesus says, I am here to reestablish what God began in the Garden of Eden. Come and I'll give you rest for your souls. So for the next six weeks, rest. Come in here and worship. Find a new rhythm in your life where you can take a day off and cease from work and rest and understand you got bills to pay you got all these things to do but just come in with an attitude of you are my shepherd you are my provider i bring my needs to you because i can guarantee you for the next six weeks it's going to take every bit of 21 days for this guy over here to chill out i can how do i know that because it's what's going to happen to me too because even as a pastor yeah, I'm a shepherd, I trust God, but I feel like this whole thing is on me. I gotta preach good. I gotta study. I gotta make sure the finances are good. I gotta make sure the building's in right order. I got people depending on me. I, I gotta, I gotta, and we unfortunately, what we do, I'm speaking for me, not for Daniel. Yes, I believe God, but I start to think that if I don't show up and do my thing, then all of this is gonna crumble. And I've taken the shepherd mantle away from him and put it on myself and he's got to take it and realize hey i'm the shepherd these people are my sheep they're not yours they're mine i heard pastor jimmy evans say this he said the lord's sheep graze on an open pasture what he meant by that is talking to us as pastors sometimes people will leave your church it's fine because the lord's sheep graze on an open pasture they're not your sheep they're his and all you get to do as a pastor is care for them and steward them while they're there, but they're his sheep. And I, I say that to illustrate that you're his sheep. And he loves you. He's going to provide for you. And take this opportunity, along with Pastor Daniel and Gretchen, to, to rest and realize that he's good and he's faithful. I also want you to do this. I want you to pray for them. Pray that, not that God gives them new ideas about the church. Not that God gives them some great strategy to get you from 250 to 350. Not for some business plan. 
All right? Not, you know, for some great message series. Nah. All that can come. Pray that they'll hear the voice of the shepherd. And not in terms of their job, but who they are as sons and daughters of God. That their identity is, hey, you're my son and I love you. Hey, you're my daughter and I love you. Now work from that spot. Work from that spot. That they can hear the voice of the shepherd in a new and a fresh way for themselves, for their family, and they come back rejuvenated because at the end of the sabbatical, guys, there's work to do. There may be a valley of the shadow of death to go through. There may be a table you need to learn to sit at in the presence of the enemies while God serves you and supplies for you. But that realization, no, he's my shepherd, and he's leading, he's protecting, he's guiding. And by the time you get to the end of Psalms, which I'm going to wrap up, Psalm 23, it's his presence. It's his presence. His provision, his protection, and his presence. You shall dwell with me in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. So here's what I want to invite the band up. I forgot, Daniel, sorry. I got to my last point and didn't listen to you. Play, and then I would love to invite Daniel and Scratch in here with you. <laughs> okay. And here's what I want you guys to do. Would you stand? Y'all stand, stretch those legs. And I'm going to invite the advisory team here with Karen and Jerry and Ben to this stage. And we just want to take an opportunity and pray. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Pray for them. Again, as you can see that, hey, this is a this is a healthy thing. This is a good thing for not just them, but for the church. I tell you, as a pastor, it's weird to advocate for yourself and say, hey, I'm tired. Because it feels like you're quitting or you're weak. Because here's one thing that we're uniquely aware of as pastors is that you all work 40 plus hour jobs too. That you're tired. That you come here on a Sunday, which is a day off and you serve and you give and and do all that. That isn't lost on us. I can guarantee you that. I grew up as blue collar as they come. My father working 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. Watch how hard he worked to provide for us. Watch he work overtime. Work seven days a week sometimes. Still go to church. Come to church on Sunday morning and then go off to work and do his thing. So it's not, it's not lost on at least me and I know Pastor Daniel as well. But we have this opportunity. You have this opportunity as a church to say, you know what? We're going to trust God and have faith. We're going to rest. Because as Pastor Daniel said, and I believe it, the best days of Elevation Church are yet to come. All right? And so here's what, I, here's what I want you all to do. Extend a hand this direction and pray. However you feel led to pray. But we're going to pray as a church. Uh, for this beautiful couple. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this couple who have answered the call. Father, to serve you, to plant a church in St. Louis, which is not easy. Lord, you know the many hours of sacrifice and sleepless nights and finances and energy and everything that they've given and their attempt to try to rest has been sabotaged by the enemy and we just speak over these next six weeks that there be no distraction there be no major life events but you can lead them as it says in psalm 23 that for the lord you are their shepherd and they shall not want may you make them to lie down in green pastures and lead them beside the still waters 
May you restore their soul and lead them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray that today as they walk out of this building, yes, it'll take some days to unwind, but Father, peace that passes and transcends all understanding and guards their heart and mind in Christ Jesus will overwhelm them and overtake them. Father, that every need that they have, that you have met and will continue to meet according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Father, the people that depend on them, that, Lord, you are their shepherd and you will provide. I thank you that you've not given them a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And we thank you, Lord, that anxiety will not prevail, but that peace that comes from deep in their soul that, hey, you've got this place. Father, you've got elevation. You've had it for the past 11 years and you'll have it all into the future because you're the shepherd. So I pray for them and their family, just a time of refreshing, like never know, refreshing for their soul, refreshing for their mind, refreshing in their physical bodies in Jesus' name, that they come back in six weeks and that we can visibly see the impact of this opportunity for rest. And Father, I want to pray this as Paul concluded the first part of Ephesians with a prayer, and we just pray this over over Daniel and Gretchen and Elevation, that to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that they could ask for or imagine according to the power that's at work within them, and that is the power of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you and we love you and we look forward to what you are going to do in the future. For no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can conceive Father, the things that you do for those whom you love and have called according to your purpose. And so we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Guys, thank you so much for your prayers. And Gretchen and I are so grateful for them. As we, as we close today, let's just proclaim again that we're available to God. Like whatever he wants to do. That we're open and we're ready to receive anything He wants to bring in our life. And so as we close with this song, Available, let's, let's proclaim that today. Let's shout to the heavens and recommit ourselves to the fact that He is God, He is our shepherd, and that He is worth our lives. He's worth our lives. He's worth our time. He's worth our energy. I love that image of it starts from rest, right? That our work starts from rest. And I even, there was a moment he said this, it's in the resting that God redeems the work. Like it literally is when we're resting and giving him for, he redeems the work. That's why Chick-fil-A makes so much money because he redeems the work and they make good chicken (laughs) so let's worship our king and honor him above all things amen let's sing together